Warning, this podcast was produced by two men who still think that swearing is both big and clever. As a result, it contains quite a lot of it. Therefore, this podcast is not suitable for children, unless they're really fucking cool children. Ladies and gentlemen, for the 100th time, please join us for another episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen! Woo, yeah! Yeah! Woo. yeah. The, uh, so my name's Dave Fenson, this is Chris DeGreer. Oh, yes, hello. Um, fucking hell, 100 episodes. How did this happen? I don't know, Who man. Who let this happen? I mean, well, just sheer bloody-minded refusal <laughs> to listen to the facts. Yeah. God damn, and, yeah. And all Morrissey fans. <laughs> Um, welcome to Pop Collaborate. Listen, we are, this is a special episode. This is a, a change from an, our normal schedule. We're going to be doing an album that wasn't uh, a number one. Uh, this is uh, purely for us celebrating an album that certainly I like quite a lot. Yeah, it's one of these ones that we, we saw in the kind of the timeline. We talked about it a little bit. Uh, we said, oh, and other releases include Nine Inch Nails, The Downward Spiral. Indeed. And we were like, eh, we could probably do... A proper look at this one. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we are we are here. That's what we're going to be doing today. We're going to have a few little uh, a little uh, interjections by some previous uh, guests on the show, and possibly a future guest on the show as well. Just letting yeah. us know what they think about this record. Yeah, but, so, um, so thank you to everyone who did. Uh, send us a little hello and uh, uh, an opinion on Nine Inch Nails. Obviously, this this podcast is called Pop Collaborate and Listen, but as you fairly know, our background is somewhat in that kind of alternative world. Um, we love a bit of pop, but we love this stuff too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is the 1994 second major album. Mm-hmm. Obviously, other releases on there as well. Krista, tell me about uh, where you were with Nine Inch Nails with in Nine Inch Nails. Uh, in 94, I remember this coming out. Mm-hmm. And I, my, my main memory of it is that in the summer of 1994, because this came out in March. Yeah. Uh, but in the summer of 94, I went out to uh, New York to visit some family out there mm-hmm. for a few weeks. And they had MTV and I didn't have MTV back, uh, you know, at home. Sure. And so I was just watching as much as I could, trying to you know soak up what was going on. Mm-hmm. And the video for Closer was just constant. Oh, yeah. It was heavily every, edited. Uh, heavily edited, absolutely. Yeah. Scene missing. But it was... It was on every hour, all mm-hmm. the time. And so I remember just being absolutely inundated by that. At the same time, I was uh, starting to DJ in some kind of alt clubs mm-hmm. as well. And everyone was asking for clothes. I was like, oh, can you play Nine Inch Nails? Can you play Nine Inch Nails? Yeah. And because I'm an arsehole, yeah. I was like, well, fuck this. I don't want to be... This is popular. I don't want to know about it. And I'm not the biggest industrial fan in general. Sure. You know, I really enjoyed... Broken when it came out in 1992, mm-hmm. um, and I remember you know throwing myself around the dance floor to to wish yeah. and this sort of stuff. Really enjoyed that, but I, as a genre, it was never my thing. Sure, and I also saw the, the sort of people who were really into it, and I went, okay, I'm not that sort of person. And so I didn't hear this album. And I'm going to be honest with you, whenever I was going through this. I'm not sure if I'd ever heard this all the way through before this. Honestly, because I was like, I must have heard this. I've never owned it. I don't think I ever listened all the way through because there's someone here that I was like, 
I don't know this at all. This is going to make this a very interesting yes, conversation. Because I tell you, I, I, where I am with Nine Inch Nails is I was a member of a youth theatre group. Love it. Of course Absolutely I was. love it. Yep. Of course Brilliant. I was. Right. And my, my very, very first introduction to Nine Inch Nails was this bloke called Gareth, who was a bit older than everyone else, who was at university. I think he was a drama student. Mm-hmm. And he was one of the, there was a few people that were just right on the cusp of, they weren't at school anymore. And we kind of looked at them and he was, he was a very kind of sarcastic, dour man. Okay. And I mean, looking back on it, possibly a bit of a prick. Right? Okay. Yeah. I mean, poss- I mean, I say possibly i'm fair more than likely and he did this bit of interpretive angry dance to this piece of music right and it was something off of uh, off of broken i can't even remember what it was now to this day but i remember hearing it going fuck is this well what is this this is great what is this it's nine inch nails right all right so instantly you're like oh oh, oh, this is so so i was in my brain my nine inch nails are about i need to find out more about them and it wasn't until like maybe i think it was Maybe, you know, I was listening to loads of Guns N' Roses, like 16. Sure. Didn't really have mates that were particularly into that stuff because I was still at school. So just finding my way. And I, I think I found a Nine Inch Nails album in a record shop and just bought it. Oh, okay. Pr- yeah. Pretty Hate Machine. And right. loved it. I absolutely loved it, right? Uh-huh. Got to sixth form, started hanging out with everyone. All my kind of grunge mates in my LA, like, the, were into their, like, kind of LA alternative and stuff like that. No one was really into Nine Inch Nails. No one was like, oh, they're shit. Oh, I see. But no one was really listening to them. Not big so, fans. And they stayed my band. And then started going out to clubs. And again, like you say, I was like, all right, my little tribe aren't really listening to Nine Inch Nails. Mm. The goths and the industrial kids, yeah. the fucking, you know I mean, the leather and the fucking weird, that's what these guys are into. Yes. Okay, and that's not my job, but I retained my love of that record. And when this came out, I got this pretty much week one. Did you straight away, right? Yeah. Okay. And I've listened to this album a lot. Did you listen to it loads at the time? Yeah. On release? I, I have. Over and over and over. I have listened to this album a lot uh-huh. without much break. This isn't an album that I've gone, oh, oh right, there's been a couple of years I've, since I've heard this. Uh-huh. This is an album that I've always heard every few months. This is yeah. one of my favourite records. Oh, I see. Oh, right. Interestingly, I've learned things about this album on this journey that I didn't know because it, mm-hmm. it, obviously there's a lot of resources available now on the internet where you can find out things. And Absolutely. You've got access to every interview. And, you know, I haven't... You, you don't necessarily always go back and go, actually, this album that I love, maybe I'll go and do all the research. That's one of the things no, I like no. about this podcast. Oh, yeah, it makes you, you do that. It really does, yeah. But yeah, for me, this was, I, I, you know, I, I heard this record and, and as much as I love Pretty Hate Machine, and I do love Pretty mm-hmm. Hate Machine, this was uh, an immediate like, okay, they're doing this now. Yeah? Yeah. Right, okay. Well, I mean, you were in, you know, huge and good company because on release this was absolutely widely uh, hailed as a brilliant yeah. album. But people did say, this is a step up, it's a step forward. Uh, he's really upped his game here. Yeah. And it was it, sort of instant classic in the kind of alternative rock scene. And it because it did break out from just the industrial people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't a, a, a really small pocket of people who were into it, and but very vocal. It was a fucking swathe of everyone who's into something heavier. Absolutely. Uh, they really caught on to it. You know, Nine Inch Nails went from being the band that was supporting, you know, opening for Guns N' Roses, yeah. but, you know, which is still, you know, you know, still a fairly reasonably sized task, oh, I guess. Oh, of course, yeah. Bearing in mind that the band would, that would do that the next time around, the next year of that tour was Soundgarden, yeah. a band who we may talk about again well, indeed. quite soon. Yeah, yeah. But they went from there to, you know, essentially, you know, the theatres and arenas on the space of this record, uh, yeah, you yeah. Know? and uh, that there was, there's like a legendary 
1994 Woodstock performance, isn't there? Yeah. Where, oh, that's uh, a great performance. It was, it was again, all over MTV or whatever, and people were like, oh, this is a band worth investigating. Yeah. yeah. Well, those, yeah, the, 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 yeah, those shows around this era are fucking legendary. Yeah. Uh, and if you ever see footage of them, you kind of go, I see why they were on a jag, sure. basically, you know? Sure. Yeah, and anything that you think Marilyn Manson is was just the diluted version right, of yeah. this. Anyway, so... Um, okay, well, can I, here's another question, because, uh, again, because I didn't have this album and didn't investigate it until this, Yeah, it is a uh, concept album. Yeah. And it tells a story from start to finish. Were you aware of that? Only peripherally, Pri- Okay, really. right. You know, obviously, I mean, it's kind of there in the title, you know, The Downward Spiral. Sure. We, and we'll discuss this more as we go. You could listen to the first two-thirds of this record and not know for a second that this is a concept album. Sure, that they all link and it's once, one person and, yeah. Yeah, once you start getting into the back end of the record, then you have to, You ha- I think the album kind of forces yeah, right, you to go, right. there's some stuff going on here. This is... Either this album's really bizarrely sequenced or it's trying to tell you something else. Okay. It's quite a long record Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of the singles are front-loaded. So, I mean, I think probably for quite a long time... I listen to the first half of this record more than I listen to the second sure, half. Sure, well, those are the, the big, you know, quote-unquote hit type yeah, ones. Yeah, but yes, I've, had, right. I, I've had a long time with this record. I've had 30 years with this record. Of course. All right. So, All right, you know, cool. And, and, and I, I suspect that may end up being reflected in some of the conversations. We oh, have. I imagine so. You're, yeah. you, you're going to have a lot more long-held opinions and feelings about stuff where I'm coming to a lot of these brand new. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, so look, let's start with um, the album cover, as yes. we always yes, do. Yes, yes, right? yes. Now... I mean, one of the most famous beige album covers of all time, you can argue. <laughs> it's just like, oh, it's just someone zoomed in too close on something here. Yeah, it's, 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 it's this and rumours. So look, this is, uh, I mean, it basically looks like a stained wall, doesn't it? It does. That's, it certainly it, does. And it's just, uh, there's something quite unnerving and squalid about it as an image. Sure. You, know, you look at it and you go, this just doesn't seem quite right. Right. Particularly when you see it contextualised against everything else, right? Because it's not doing that super goth thing of it's more black than black. Absolutely. It's uh, not... Futuristic bits yeah. and neon or whatever. Like, hit machine. It's beige and brown. It looks like, you know, mm. it's quite difficult to kind of visualise this mm. post years of things like saw and oh, seven okay. Okay, and yep. all of those things but all but this this is like a an outlier for that kind of visual styling okay yeah i you can know? see that i can definitely see that um and, and i liked what they did as well that you know all the singles uh and the artwork around it while it wasn't exactly the same it all is of a style and absolutely it all fits. so i do like that so i, I think this is an odd cover like yeah. if, if you if, if i try and talk about this in a way that we talk about album covers when we come into the brand new this is an odd cover yeah. right but it stands out on a shelf and it is almost a perfect cover for this record once you dig into it i think right okay okay well let's start with the first track opening track is mr self-destruct and we've got a sample here of uh, a film THX one one three or whatever it's called one one three eight yeah yeah and this is apparently a scene where a prisoner is getting beaten yeah and you can hear he's getting beaten quite soundly mm-hmm. and more and more and more as we go on and then it just drops into this heavily distorted drum right yeah so we've got this kind of insect like hum hanging behind us everything 
in this sounds broken and fuzzy. Yep. Like, but it's kind of imposing itself on you. Like you hear it in headphones and it's right at the fucking front of the mix. The vocal's sitting behind it. Yeah. Almost can't hear what he's saying. And then you can drop him with this. It's kind of screaming bit. Yeah. Yeah. Vocally, it's kind of in that kind of unhinged, you know, obviously we've got this kind of self-loathing, fragile, threatened. There's this, there's this thing, I think, for me, that a lot of points on this record, um, particularly in the early half of this record, Trent Reznor sounds like an animal that's like been backed into a corner. Oh, I see, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That thing where it's like, just you're kind of at your most, yeah, you don't know what's going to happen. It's, okay. When it sounds like this uh-huh, uh-huh. What I love, though, is in the heart of all of this noise, you've just got the little... But this is to, to me that sounds like classic Nine Inch Nails. Uh, yeah. If, you've, well, if you've heard other stuff before and this is your intro to this album, you're like, oh yeah, this is what. Yeah, if, you, if you listen to like Wish, you know, that Absolutely. kind of kind of slave yeah. drum, that kind of like, big sure. white noise thing. But, you know, and, and lyrically, you know, we're not in huge, you know, massively departing territory. It's kind of that crushing kind of. S&M nihilism, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, I am the section that you provide and I control you. I'm the needle in your veins. Yes. Yeah, uh, lots of that. You know, I'm the high you can't sustain. It's all kind of goth poetry 101 to a degree. But there's always something about Trez and Reznor where you kind of like, mm, I don't know, I kind of believe you when you say it. Okay. I mean, he's kind of king goth. So... Even if it is 101, he invented that shit, really. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I think, I think you're married from Sisters of Mercy. Oh, right, uh, but, sure. Yeah. But of this kind of, uh, this iteration of goth and industrial. But here, you know, we've got this kind of, this just lull that they put in here, that he puts in here yeah. now, right? And we're about to just start dropping in where he's just going to build this overpowering white noise throughout it. What, I think what's really notable here is the, it, it, it's, it, there's so much... Uh, sonic stagecraft that he's playing with. Uh-huh, here. uh-huh. It's, it's all, um, you know, it, it's all building stories with sounds. You- yeah, I mean, the sounds on this album are, I mean, he knows exactly what he wants and he's gone to great lengths in the yeah. production process to make sure that this is exactly how he wants it to sound. Um, but it is, it's overwhelming and it's furious and it's horrible and it's flattering. It's... It's a, a real angry, angry sound throughout when, he, when it has to be. Um, and it is... Because, the, because of the distortion, there's so many times it just... It almost makes you dizzy listening to it. Yeah. I mean, that's... It, that's it, 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 this track, you've got it on really loud, it's disorientating. Yeah. Uh, and, it's, and you're just like, whoa, you're swept up in it. It's what? I can't remember how long this one is. About three or four minutes? Uh, four, four and a half. Yeah. And it's, and it's kind of almost over before you've kind of realised what's going on. Right, yeah. Like, if you hear what's doing with the white noise, here's white noise building and building and building and building. Yeah. So it kind of takes over everything. And then it just goes into this kind of breakdown. It's like modem-like feedback loop. Yeah. That just breaks and breaks. And eventually we'll just kind of pop into the second track. Yes, indeed. There's lots kind of... Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this whole album kind of pretty much moulds together. But we'll get onto the second track in a minute. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, I heard this... And it's like, yes, it's classic Nine Inch Nails, mm-hmm. but there's layers in it now. You know, you're going, you know, he's he, he's doing it. It's almost kind of my uh, interpretation is it's almost like kind of Shakespeare. It's like you know, enter Macbeth, exit Macbeth. Like oh. instruments and sounds come and go as if they're entering in, oh, yeah, doing yeah. the bit they need to do, and then fucking off again. You know, it's. I see. Okay, interesting. Uh, 
yeah. I mean, that, that bit there the, at the end, the, the guitar mm-hmm. loop, is done by a guy called Adrian Bellew. B-E-L-E-W, yep. Bellew, uh, who is mostly known for being in King Crimson for 30 years. Yeah. Um, but he uh, went into work with Reznor. Trent asked him to come and do some stuff and basically gave him free reign. Just went, all right, look, do what you want yeah. and I will make something out of it. And so I think that was more how it was. It wasn't Trent going, right, this is the tune, do this riff. He played for, you know, whatever amount of time, Trent took the tapes away and found bits he liked. Absolutely. So it was that kind of more experimental way of Cut doing things. paste. Yes, exactly. Across a lot of this record, it's how, you know, a lot of the time when you break things down, you've got quite traditional structures in a lot of things, it, but it's just the way he's created those things and the way he's cut and pasted things and the way he's fucked with all of the assets of mm-hmm. it. You know, you know, like that, like that, um, when, when George Miller made, um, uh, Mad Max Fury Road. And oh yeah, he, and yeah. he just said there isn't a single shot in this movie that hasn't been digitally manipulated yeah. in some way, shape, Every or form. Bit, yeah. And that's kind of like this record. Obviously, okay. not digitally so because we're in a very embryonic. Like a lot of this stuff is still kind of um, that mix of uh, very analog uh-huh. sounds and like kind of tape loops and things like that. Yeah, mixed with bits and pieces of digital technology. Yeah, he as was well. definitely he was on the cutting edge because uh, I saw like some of the stuff uh, when it was talking about the production was like he had you know his. Macintosh, and he had whatever the the newest programs available were, and he was trying stuff out. Yeah. So he was he was definitely at the forefront. But we're still talking about recording in 1993. Yeah, I'm drawing this completely from memory, so I'm, I might be conflating mm-hmm. other things. But I'm fairly sure there's an interview where like Maynard James Keenan talks about meeting Trent Reznor, and he's like, you know, you know, obviously I knew of him, and I, you know, you kind of you never really. And you go, but I think the first time I, I walked in, he just had a keyboard apart and was soldering bits together. And I was, oh, I, like, see, oh. Right. I was like, oh, this guy's legit. That's, Do you know what I mean? Oh, this, uh, right. this, this guy is kind of doing, this, doing the work. Right, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. So, I mean, so what's your making of that as a My first mate, track? Um, I think uh, I like the feel of it. Yeah. I think it's uh, the right way to start an album that's going to go on to what it does. Um, I think that lyrically, it's, you know, it, it starts you off. It's all about addiction and desire and, you know, the, human weakness and that sort of business mm-hmm. so it's starting you off going all right this is ev- everything is gonna go badly wrong uh i think it's a, a standard classic mix of loud soft industrial mm-hmm. clattering I, I think this is fine i don't think it's brilliant uh my fear when i first put it on was like it's gonna be 14 tracks of this and it very much is not exactly that. i thought okay it's gonna be this for uh, for an hour, and I was like, I don't know if I can do this fourteen times. And, and I think there are very much moments during this album where it gets very close to being pushing the intensity level too high. Oh. Um, but purpose. I mean, I, yeah. I fucking love this track. I, lo- I love yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. I you know it's it's not my favourite track on the album, okay. but it's the perfect way to start this record. Because, you know, I think if you'd, if you'd listened to the singles, mm-hmm. your presumption would have been, oh, well, March of the Pigs will be the first track, so the way it starts, yeah. that sounds like a starting track of an album. Yeah. But this no. is even more so. Anyway. So well, anyway. Uh, just uh, the other thing I found out about Adrian Bellew uh, mm-hmm. on the guitar there, that he, yeah, he was in King Crimson, so he's, he's kind of prog rock. He started off doing stuff with Zappa and Bowie and Talking Heads in the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. Uh, but... I think his real pièce de résistance would have been whenever he collaborated with Crash Test Dummies on their yeah. uh, 90s album and then with William Shatner in the 2000s. 
Well, so I think he's he, kind of peaked. At that I, point. I think his main um, uh, the, the duet that he did with uh, Mowgli. Um, <laughs> Oh, you dickhead. Oh, God damn Right, so anyway. Damn you for making me laugh at that shit. Ah, there you go. (laughs) That's why you can't leave me, baby. Oh, Lordy. So so we're breaking down this fever loop, and we're really like this kind of heightened sense of tension, and then it drops into track two, which is called Piggy. Bang. Complete change of pace. All of the distortion's gone, right? What's this? We've got this big, round kind of bass. Um... Simple little kind of beat uh, behind it, a little percussive 4 4 beat. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the uh, only song that Trent Reznor plays live drums on. As okay. well. It's not like he's sampled it and looped mm-hmm. it, this is live drumming he's doing. So we've got this kind of more plaintive sung vocal. You kind of, you know, it, there's no way to hide on this vocal, and he kind of doesn't mind hiding the fact that his singing voice has got its limitations. Yeah, sure. You know, and that. You know, that that kind of rawness adds to the feel of this quite a little bit. Yep. And it's the first time that we're seeing the pig metaphor or analogy being used, yeah. um, which we will see again throughout the album. Absolutely. And, you know, there's the obvious link to uh, kind of, well, I suppose the most obvious link, if you know the backstory of where the album was recorded, it was recorded in the house where Sharon Tate was murdered yeah. and uh, the murderers painted pigs on the wall in blood yeah. and so there's definitely a link there and he's, he's he knows that mm-hmm. that's not a mistake but then there's also it's about uh, people being it, the populace being pigs led to slaughter and lesser than the narrator at this point mm-hmm. uh, or it could just be like the police talking about pigs mm-hmm. who knows lots of different ways of looking at what pig means in this this uh, yeah i mean you know obviously you've also you know i mean i don't want to dwell too much on breaking down the narrative of this you know the idea that you've got this uh, this other voice the um yes. you know the um, the ruiner that's, yeah and it's this is setting up this duality here you've got this nothing can stop me now i don't care anymore they're talking about this nihilism of yes where it, this person that's a you know, that's abused and got to where he is and is not yet ready to confront the other voice. Uh-huh. There's yeah. all of this stuff going on here. I mean, but for me, even if you strip all of that narrative out of it, just um, the structure of this song, man, where you kind of start... So, and it, go, when you, it starts having that kind of dressed organ with that kind of screamy tape loop underneath it. Like, like, and getting to here... Obviously, you say this is the only track he plays live drums yeah, yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. And it, and you hear these, you hear this kit just get further and further forward in the mix. Yep. As he starts just fucking clattering away, at it's, it. it's getting more chaotic. Yeah. As it goes on. So he's kind of you start. He started off with this kind of pretty straightforward song, and now it's just becoming kind of more nightmarish. Yeah. As it goes, as he deconstructs it. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, and the, the the nothing can stop me line, which we're hearing, that comes up again and again throughout yeah, the album as very well. Very much so, uh, and it means kind of different things at different points. Um, but it, it's I wondered as well because he does say that nothing can stop me. It comes up in other albums as well. He says it. He called his record label Nothing Records. Yeah. I wonder if that's part of it. Like nothing can stop. Who knows? I don't know. I I, I find this record like again. It's difficult to say because I've known it for so long. Yeah. But I still find it's an unsettling record. Sure. And now... Oh, and they've got this little piano bit. Yeah. Yeah, which... 
which comes back in yeah. again and again. Yeah, that's because there's a lot of motifs in this record sure. that we will see over and over, which is you feel everything ties together. It fe- feels very much like a kind of a complete piece of work. Well, exactly. Yeah, that, that's the the concept album coming through, and it is a journey which it come, it sort of comes back in on itself and tells bits, different bits from different places. Because, no, like, like I say, this keyboard's taken centre stage. Everything else has just fallen away from it. Again, yep. it's that stage management of. Of, of what he's got mm-hmm. and so and now just kind of drops down to the pulse ding ding yep and then we're going to track three indeed but before we get to track three there's a couple of other things I had noted on this one um I, I like the the line nothing can stop me now because I don't care anymore mm-hmm. uh it's him saying if there are no consequences if I don't give a shit what happens to me yeah I am free I, I am free to do whatever I want. Yeah. Um, but it's also uh, his vision is narrowing, um, and that that comes. That I'm mm-hmm. getting that from the sound of the song and from what I read around. His vision is narrowing, and he's getting more and more of the voice in his head. Yeah. He's getting more single purposed, and so mm-hmm. uh, he that that nothing can stop me now because there's nothing else he wants to do. There's nothing uh, else that he is. In his life, it's like going sole purpose. All right, this is the spiral I'm going down. Nothing yep. can stop me. Nothing can stop me. I wish it could sometimes, but nothing can stop me going down this path that I've started. Uh, one thing I did read about this, um, because there were only two singles released off mm-hmm. this album, proper singles, but this was one that was kind of promoed yep. to radio. I'm like, who the fuck is playing this on the radio? What, what did they think was going to happen? Like Marianne Hobbs, but yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you're putting this out to US radio stations in '94, going, "This will get on a playlist." But can you can you imagine though, like being the exec for Interscope when this record gets handed in? But, you yeah. go, right, we need some singles. Okay, okay. Well, this <laughs> uh, this closer one, this sounds pretty good. You want to do what? Like yeah, a what? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Don't listen to any lyrics. Exactly. Yeah. That's the thing. Hello, chaps. Friend of the show and indeed former guest Darren here. So Nine Inch Nails, The Downward Spiral. Uh, still my favourite album of theirs. Um, would always be my go-to album when I fancy a Nine Inch Nails fix. Songs like Heresy, March of the Pigs, The Becoming, A Warm Place, Hurt. And still my favourite Nine Inch Nails song, Reptile. All brilliant, all 10 out of 10 bangers as far as I'm concerned. Um, well done on 100 shows, guys. Uh, PCL is still my favourite podcast i think i'm annoyed to admit um genuinely look forward to uh, each and every episode regardless of what what album you're covering so keep it up and um i look forward to joining you when you record your special on the new Def leopard album drastic symphonies which they've just recorded with the royal philharmonic orchestra that comes out on the 19th of may so uh yeah look forward to joining you in your studio for that one let's uh, do three which is heresy okie dokie here we come, man. I mean, that's pure, you know, 80s pulsing beat there, isn't it? And here we go. This is one of the most punishing drum sounds of all time. Oh, okay. the, the, because the, the distortion on it makes it sound like, oh, am I listening to this too loudly? It's just, that's what he wants. And here we've got the Prince-like falsetto. Yeah, it reminded me of whenever Josh Homme does it in some of the Queen's of Stone Age tracks. Look, man. He... Here we have, like, the thing that, to me, you, you, you separate Prince and Trent Reznor with a piece of gossamer. Really? They're the same dude, man. Yeah, what? They're the same dude. They're the, <laughs> they're the same 
outrageously prolific musicians with their own sensibility that transcend their genres. Okay. You know, uh, I'll talk more about it when we talk about a couple of the other tracks later. Sure, okay. But... That's an interesting take. I I like that. I like that. Like... Prince and Trent Reznor are the same fucking dude. One's wearing crushed velvet, the other one's wearing black leather. That's and I suppose it is worth pointing out that uh, for this album, especially, this was the first one he did everything really. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, he got Adrian Bellew to do some guitar work, but he's not—he's not playing the guitar riff on the song. Whatever the riff is, Trent Reznor's doing that. He's written it. Um, he is doing all the sequencing, all the keys, etc. He gets a couple of guests in, mm-hmm. but in essence, this is Trent Reznor. Previously. There had been other members of the band, aren't there, who were... No, nah, he, he, he did everything on Pretty Hate Machine as well. Oh, did he? I see, okay. I mean, there's a live band. Oh, no, yeah, of course. But I thought... Oh, right, I, I'm wrong. I thought some of those people who performed with him back then also contributed musically. But no, I'm not going to... Let's do this fucking track, though. So, obviously, this has got the big fucking anti-religious screed throughout sure. it, you know? yes. But this fucking chorus, man, the punch in this chorus... Yeah, yep. And no one cares... Yeah, I, this is one of the. This is the first song that I remember from yeah. uh, my listens through because even though this wasn't a single, I do remember this getting played in rock clubs because it's got the "God is Dead" chorus and everyone's shouting along, and it is a great one for you know a dance floor. And so I do remember this, mm-hmm. uh, and I, to be honest, I would have thought this was a single, but it wasn't. But you hear the kind of fucking graphics, this, this guitar that kind of comes. In. We're going knocking to the bridge. Yep. Ah. Uh. Song, but yeah, mate. There's such anger on this one as well. I mean, the the previous ones have been angry for sure, but more more self loathing, yeah. perhaps. This is fucking fury. It's absolutely. And again, fury. like you got these kind of fucking looped samples, heavily treated in the background. Yeah. It's kind of it's like The Exorcist. This album, in a lot of ways, it's the stuff that's mm. in the background that kind of just all of a sudden you just catch something. That sound mix. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, by the lyrics I, I picked out here, uh, he sewed his eyes shut because he's afraid to see. He tries to tell me what I put inside of me. He's got the answers to ease my curiosity. He dreamed up, he dreamed a God up and called it Christianity. Yeah, that's that. I like that. That's, that's <laughs> nicely phrased. Mate, it's fucking beautiful, man. I mean, there's another reference to pigs in this one. Uh, yeah. Where he made a virus that would kill, kill off all the swine. Yeah. If you'd asked me before I listened to this album, is Trent Reznor an atheist? I'd gone, yeah. Of course, he, yeah. he, he has to be. But he's making it so obvious, his just fury at the whole scene of, of religion. Mm-hmm. It, and it's that classic thing of, well, if, if there is a God, how does he let these things happen? You know, it's not new, but, but you know, fucking I mean, fury on you this. Know, you, you look at the, you know, we, yeah, I mean, well, I, I was about to say we grew up in a... I was about to make a very fucking big faux pas. I was about to say, I grew up in England, which is, you know, <laughs> like, you know, kind of not where Christianity is not that much for. And of course, you grew up in Northern Ireland, where well, it's slightly a bigger deal, I guess. But, <laughs> it's definitely more on the plate. But, you know, I think particularly like in very kind of moralistic America, where where if you're growing up alternative at all mm-hmm. and you feel different, like, it must be such a bigger target. I mean, I, I've been so angry about religion mm-hmm. at, at points in my life, and I've kind of mellowed on the subject a little bit right, yep. now. I've kind of heard myself talking a little bit. But, yeah, Christ, I mean, he's so angry here, man. But the thing about this track, right, 
is he does that thing that I was talking about, like introducing riffs like characters in plays. A riff will just kind of come in and hang in there, like like it does like that first bridge. And it's all of a sudden it's it's the most important part of the song, and then right, yeah. you haven't even noticed when it stopped being the most important part of the song again because something else has taken over. Okay, uh-huh. and there's all of this like interesting beautiful sonic work that he's doing interesting dropping elements in taking them out he just kind of creates this tableau right and it's beautiful yeah. and it's really anarchic and it's absorbing and it feels like an assault on the senses but all of the su- subtleties in this song right, which become apparent when you listen to it a thousand times yeah are just secondary to making this just a pulverizing heavy tune all of the other bits it's like you realise that they're important to it, but the song itself is served by everything rather than being like, look at how showy and interesting. Oh, I see. Okay. Here's here's an Enigma track where I've sampled this for no reason. Do you know what I mean? It's it's like, it's not like I've had this whimsy. It's like, right, fuck, how do I, how do I hammer home this idea? Yeah. And it's, but the root, but the heart of all of it, there's a fucking one hell of a great rock song in this the is midst the, of this. Uh, this is my favourite one so far uh, because there is a hook to it and there's more of a tune that I can pick yeah. out. Um, it's not just trying to evoke a feeling or mm-hmm. telling a story or helping through the journey. There's This is a song. This is a tune. Yeah. And so I love that about it. Mm-hmm. That, that, that makes it much better for me. And everything else, if it can do everything else as well, then brilliant. But... Uh, at its core, like you say, there's a big tune in this one. Find yourself a goth that can do it all. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> right, okay. Well, fisting and uh, patchouli oil. Lovely. We got anything else to add on this one? I don't think so. No, cool. I'm good with that. Well, let's crack it with the, the first single, right. March of the Pigs. Okay, so this is very urgent. Fucking pounding uh-huh. beat. And then we're going to go... In a minute we are, sorry. Yep. Like this kind of heavy electronic bass. Yeah, that's squelchy. Uh, and yeah, this first single was released in April of 94. It only got to number 45 in the UK. Right up! March! Come on! There you go. This reminds me very much of something from Broken. Yeah, this is kind of hard to I've kind of described him as like a kind of a staccato ringmaster here. Do you know what I mean? It's oh, like... Right. I guess it's that step right up. Do you know what I mean? Everything's just like... Like, just these... He's not attempting really any kind of melody or anything. It's just these kind of staccato chops of lyric. Okay. And then he... But what's so good is the way the the, the vocals change and swoop here. That mm-hmm. down as it moves into this. That little slave drum just kind of... Dum, 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 dum. Yeah, yeah. It ta- that, yeah it's all about you from that the... And he kind of comes into this madness. kind of sneered chorus. Sure, yeah. And then, and then just the thing that always stood out about this tune is this like this like kind of Tori Amos flourish. It, it, that little piano, that un, untreated with anything, just like pure piano. Holds, lets it hang in the air, choir, bang. bang. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this is so March of the Pigs. And, you know, the pigs this time in this song are... You know, everyone in society, mm-hmm. um, it's consumers in society especially. Um, uh, it's, uh, people are just like blindly ravenous all the time, needing more and more and more to keep them happy. Uh, but there's also uh, a, a more specific thing where it's about the Nine Inch Nails fans mm-hmm. and how fame has made the fans demand more of Trent Reznor. Yeah. Um, that, that whole thing about take the skin and peel it back, you want more from me. 
doesn't it make you feel better, etc. So it's kind of it's it's in general society, but it's also a microcosm of his world, uh, and and it's, it works really well because especially that line that doesn't make you feel better line, which stands out. Yeah. That, you know, it's designed to be jarring in comparison to the absolute madness and chaos. Yeah. Uh, it works really well. It's, it's it's a nice dichotomy there, and it all, all feeds into this kind of thing that we'll get to. Like the, 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 this is all, this is all the world view that he starts to realise he's become joyless. You know, this right. is this is the, the um, this is before the realisation. This is just the the venom. This is this is how I am now. This is the venom of my life. Right. Um, uh, yeah, and it's sort of scatter shot firing at um, the sheeple, etc. Yeah, but it's classic misanthrope. You know, from a from a a a tone and a pace point, it it is a classic. You know, it's a roller coaster. Is such a like Mm -hmm. a misused trip. But this one, it 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 does feel like a roller coaster. In that, if you go on a good roller coaster, it will it will take you up to the thing. It will throw you around, and then it will let you breathe for a second, get Mm -hmm. your breath back before it fucks you up again. Yeah, yeah. Because if it doesn't let you breathe. It's all just one thing, but yeah. this those little pauses until it throws you back in. I think it's a really exhilarating song. I think it's, uh-huh. you know I, I've always loved this song. Um, right. I think it's you know it's it's a great um, Nine Inch Nails single. Two minutes fifty eight. It's very compact. It's one of the shortest on the album. Yeah, yeah, uh, surprisingly so. so I, I assumed just in my head when I was like March the Pigs. I kind of remember that. I would have thought, oh yeah, it's got to be probably five minutes. That's that song. Mm-hmm. No. It's, it's in and out and it's done. But that's great, you know, because he doesn't... Because I think if this song was much longer, mm. it would lose that urgency. It has to be mm-hmm. just like a spike of adrenaline and then done. Uh, no, I, I get it. And it, don't, it works for that, for sure. This is Niall from the Zeros podcast, sitting in a noisy park in Belfast. Congratulations, Dave and Christo, on reaching this milestone. 100 episodes often having to troll through absolute shite for our entertainment. We salute you for this. And a hundred times of getting to hear Dave going, Yes, yes, people! What I'd like to say about the album at hand this week is my first memories of it were when Noisy Mothers premiered the video for March of the Pigs. It uh, had been on on a Friday night. My brothers always used to tape it. And I came down on a Saturday morning with the usual existential angst of a teenage hangover. And when that video came on, I was completely blown away just by the filthy rage of that live performance that is recorded in the video itself. Just such a moment. And that song was such a herald for the album to come, which really marked a shift in what the rest of the 90s was going to sound like. I love every note of that album. Absolutely superb. Good luck with your next 100 episodes, which I think should take you up to about 1999. I know this hasn't been easy, a real mission that you guys have not shied away from so well done and to everyone who's curious if you want to hear clever people answering a very stupid question then search the zero podcasts wherever you get your podcast right well let's um check out i mean if you've ever been in a rock club <laughs> ever in your life ever to this day yeah you may have heard the song closer mate it's it's one of the most identifiable intros I'll tell you what though what's really interesting though is listening to this on headphones mm-hmm. I mean I've listened to this over massive club PAs yep. so many times and I was like I've forgotten that that little lick that that's something behind there yeah sitting down really deep in the mix I'll tell you what there are again because I have the, the same thing 
I, I have heard this, you know, millions yeah. of times, right? But it's always been in a club yeah. or, you know, in, in a situation where it's just on a stereo in the background. Um, because I've never sat down and listened to this album. And so when I did it for this, there are so many bits in this song that I had no idea were there. Like, for instance, it, on a simple one, the bit where it's like, boom, 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 that bit, yeah, in the background. I didn't know that it goes, boom, 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 and goes down. I'd never heard that, because I've never fucking listened to this song properly. Yeah, and there are so many bits that I've I've got notes of, like, never heard that before. And this is this is the thing, it's like, obviously, the, the, like, the, the lyrics of this have been widely misinterpreted. Of course and this is a, yeah, this is a song about being a piece of shit. Uh-huh. This is a song of like fucking. These are the things I want to do to you. What's fucking wrong with me? This is yep. what. This is these are the things that I need to be alive. What the fuck? What a worthless piece of shit I am. Yeah. You know, it's not supposed to be. Oh fucking go on, son. Uh, exactly. I mean? Or oh well, I'd like to see a stripper to this. Yeah, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But um, look, but, but, but the, the fucking thing about this song, right? Is like is funky as fuck. Oh, it's, it's track, great. Yeah, porno, porno funk reimagined by yep. Jigsaw from the song. Yeah, right? yep, yep. It is. It's just filthy and decadent and grotty and unpleasant. But that that, that fucking keyboard there, that, that, that behind it, yeah. amazing. And uh, I that what I kind of acknowledged was there, but listening to it up close, this is one of the most perfectly put together songs I can think of every single bit of this uh, works immaculately and I am I'm stunned at how 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 all as as a a machine it comes together and builds together as one thing it's fucking stunning this is is as funky a song as a goth has ever made man yeah Uh, like that's probably a short list I've got a I've got a a description of this song here which yeah. is probably quite unpleasant but I went this song's like sex in an abattoir with your cousin lovely yep <laughs> one of my favourite websites yeah. my cousin Michael um, <laughs> but again look Prince could have made this song oh I see okay no this yeah. is a fucking Prince song yeah no I'll give you that definitely yeah sure you know you hear every influence on here you hear like fucking Clinton you hear fucking Gary Newman you can hear mm-hmm. Violator era Depeche Mode absolutely Depeche yeah, yeah you know but as with everything, it's bigger than the sum of its influences. It's, uh, everything of this quality. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think the. I mean, we're now at uh, yeah. three minutes, and we've three still got another three to go. And so we're we're into the bit where it's going to start building towards the end. But hear that sound there. That, 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 hear that, that build. That, the build. Yeah, that is like like whatever guitar squall yeah. that is. Chainsaw. Yeah. It's coming through. And it, it is. It's. it's yeah. Every single yeah. thing is perfectly done. That's into this. Yeah. I, honestly, man, I've heard this so many times, and there's so many bits that I don't remember. I didn't know that there are words here. He's saying yeah. some shit right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sotto voce. Yeah. Didn't know there was any words in this. Right. Not a clue. I mean, th- this is, I, I say, without fucking contradict. Well, I mean... With, with not without fear of contradiction because yeah. fucking the world's it's full of contrarians, yeah. right? But this is one of the best singles of the '90s of any genre. Easily, I mean, it like, makes all the lists. One of, of the best, you know, exactly. So, rock songs of the '90s. Songs Listen to those guitars there, just the, the, the coming in, threatening. Yeah. Just, just up and just 
He does such fucking clever shit in the production of this, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, there is a reason that you still hear this every time you're in a rock club. Oh, absolutely. And let's talk about the video. Because I think it is... It's not indistinguishable from the video, but the video really adds to this yeah. song. I watched it again just just this morning. And it's brilliantly done. It is one of the best kind of rock alt videos that has ever happened. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Mark Romanek, uh, who... We've, we've seen very recently uh, in terms of videos that we've done for people that we've covered he did uh, Morrissey's The More You Ignore The Closer I Get um, he also did uh, a couple of the David Bowie songs on Black Tie White Noise a couple of Lenny Kravitz on Are You Gonna Walk Them Away he, you know, he's, he's a big fucking uh, director but I of, the, of anything that I can think of he's done the video for this is the best oh 100% it's man. incredible and again it's you, if you watched it without any sound on the feel of that video is disturbing and dark and horrible <laughs> and it's yeah. wonderful oh yeah it's wonderful and um, he directed it all with a roaming neck <laughs> my roaming neck um, uh, Trent Reznor is quoted as saying um, that when he saw the video he said the rarest of things occurred where the song sounded better to me seeing it with the video yeah. and it's my song yeah. you know? he's like yeah I get it that is that has stepped it up even further mm-hmm. it's, it's brilliant I'm sure everybody has seen the video for this at some point, but if you haven't seen it recently, just fucking watch it again. It's incredible. We'll, we'll, post, we'll post a link in the show notes. And ah, it's so good. So but, good. Oh my god. So yeah. So now, now the question is, how do you follow closer? Just before we we go on to that, actually, okay. Uh, I didn't realise where the the, where the sample for the drum came from. Yeah. Iggy Pop's nightclubbing. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I read that and tried to hear it in my mind, I was like, okay, I can see that, and then. I just played nightclubbing, and I was like, "Oh yeah, of course it is. It's it's, it's, it's like a, a modified version. It's just you know sampled and then treated." But yeah, that's this is nightclubbing, and you can hear this is where it comes from. Absolutely, it is. Um, but weirdly, it's not the hi hat from nightclubbing. Right. It's the bass. It's the kick drum that he sampled for it. Um, the produ- producer on this album is Flood, who's you know has done stuff with U two and you know massive bands like that uh, Flood has two instrument credits on the album and one of them is for the hi-hat on Closer which is pretty niche you know it's like yeah. okay uh, I want I want it on the album I want it noted that that's my hi-hat yeah yeah, yeah. yeah fair enough because that is I, I could pick this hi-hat out of a pretty long lineup of yeah. hi-hats it's so so good yeah absolutely brilliant but okay so like that, that you say what do you do after that? Where do you go? Well, track number six. Yeah. So here's essentially a hip hop break. If yeah, really. Mugs is. was a goth. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't remember this one at all. So this is why I was yeah. thinking maybe I've not heard this album all the way through. Yeah. So now, this is. I mean, this is kind of. A, I've written here it's an epic of self-loathing, and it isn't really, because it's not really a self-loathing type of song. It's uh, This is... Um, I, I think it's more outward-hating. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's talking about ruiners who he says... that Basically, people in, in power who fuck over the little guy to keep uh, themselves in power. Yeah. But the, the ruin, yeah. Ruiner also becomes the part of the character. Yes, of, indeed. He, uh, the, the voice with, in the of head. the voice in his head, you know, yeah. the ruin as a collector, 
Uh, he's an infector serving his shit to flies. Yeah, that's a good line. I mean, it's a fucking brilliant look. So here we've got this big Germanic march. Mm-hmm. This is kind of fucking... The kind of thing that, like, Ramstein make their entire train. That's fair, yeah. Teutonic, yep. right? But it's not pantomime here. No, which no. It always it... is with Ramstein, yeah. you know? Well, people don't at me, Ramstein fans. Um, <laughs> So yeah, that that stump at the centre is this, suitably... This bit going on here, there's so yeah. much happening in the mm. background there. There's so many bits to, to make that mm-hmm. what, whatever is happening. It's hip-hop. It, well, sure, yeah. It's, you know, this is... Yeah, you, you put House of Pain over that, you've <laughs> got some yeah. rubbish hip-hop. Yeah. But... And we return to the nothing can stop me line that yeah. we've seen before. He's doing saying that over and over. Um, it, it's like... This on the journey we're going through seems to be it's an outward show of, of hate to you know the, yeah. to the ruiners who are fucking up the world. Yeah. Um. But it, it, it's like it, it builds his desire to see the world burn. Uh, his hatred for stuff is intensifying that way. Yeah. But it's it's like that thing that you say when you you know the thing that you answer when you when you see these fucking online trolls. And all they can do is spit venom at them. And you look at them and you go... I mean, you take a step back and you're like, you've got nothing but this. Yeah. All you've got is this invective. And, like, that's... The problem is if you let that amount of fucking invective into your into your body, if you if you allow yourself to hate that much, mm-hmm. it spreads and it, it eats away right, at yeah, all yeah. the stuff you want. It's yeah. corrosive, you know? Been there. Do you know what I mean? Sure, you sure, know? yeah. And you, you have to... Like as you dig yourself into this kind of nihilistic dirge, you have to go. Oh, fuck it! I have to kind of let this go. I see. Yeah, you re- you have to because if you don't, it just. Oh, listen to that man! It, it, that's that guitar! Wow, wow! Seventies funk mm-hmm. there. But fucked with. Listen to how oh, much. Oh yeah, it's, it's... this is the thing. But like, this song for me is. One of the most traditional rock songs. This is like a Queen song in a lot of ways. This whole track, okay, right? Uh-huh. It's got loads of tropes of traditional rock songs, but everything like this, it's filtered. Because look, this is this is the point of the big guitar solo. Yeah, yeah. But listen, what he's doing to it's it. Fucked it. It's just like it's, it's a jigsaw with missing pieces. Yeah. You know, it's it's. Do you know what I mean, it's it's delaminating. It's oh, right. It's playing at the wrong speed. Uh, indeed. It's, oh, uh, let me kick this amp a few yeah. times to make this sound fucked. I was um. I did a, a, a played some records on Twitch at the weekend, or maybe last week, whenever it was. And one of the ones I played was a remix of "Closer" that I've got on Twelve yeah. Inch, uh, the "Closer to God" mm-hmm. version of it. And at the end of that, uh, the distortion that Trent Reznor puts on it on purpose yeah. is so vicious because it sounds like, "Oh, my computer's fucked." Yeah, if yeah, you're yeah, listening yeah. to it, but it's it's, it's on purpose. And what uh, our friend Warren yeah. was listening to it on. Uh, in the ear- earphones, he said he had to take them out because it was making him feel sick. <laughs> that, that's the fucking. That's what Trent Reznor's going for in this shit. Is there anything else that you've got on this song as we head into the next one? Not really. No, I mean, I, you know, I've made some of the same notes. As you obviously, this is the, you know the kind of the, the, when it comes back with the uh, fucking nothing can stop me now again. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. That's as album a track as album tracks get on this record. Sure. But it's still serving a purpose. Sure, it's, it's, yeah. doing a, it's doing a load of really interesting things that I wouldn't swap out. It's uh, you know, it's a big moment for the narrative of the record as it introduces de- the yeah, concept of Ruiner. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, so, but 
it, you know, it's not one of the most um, breathtaking tracks on the record. It, it, it's one of the ones that stood out to me most. But I, yeah, but I was, here's mm. the, that's interesting because for me, this is a track that I didn't get for a long while, and I went back to. Yeah. And so tracks like this and some of the other ones on here are. The, the ones that weren't immediately obvious are the ones that I have the most love for at the moment. Sure, because, okay. You know. Yeah, because yeah, you're not as uh, overly familiar with them. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, guys. This is Cliff from the Devil Times 5 Horror Podcast. I'm so glad you're covering the Downward Spiral on Pop Collaborate. And listen, it, it's my all-time favourite album, and I think always has been pretty much from the moment it came out. Uh, when it first came out, I listened to it over and over and over again and like even even a year later i was still discovering new elements in the soundscapes and the the mad production i think i often say that my least favorite genre of music is singer songwriter because i think you need to do more than just fucking write a song and then sing it to us you know make it something special and trent Reznor on downward spiral in particular made all his songs special by just layering all different weird shit all over it. So it sounds like nothing else ever. Uh, one of my fondest memories of the album is uh, at school, me and my mates were well into it and our mate Giles hadn't heard it yet. So it wasn't really a sort of thing, industrial music. It was more a traditional rock guy. But during a kind of study period in the library, we gave him a Walkman with the downward spiral in it, put headphones on him. And we just watched him as he listened to it for the next hour and five minutes. And it was great just seeing his reactions to all the strange things he was hearing. I remember in particular at one point him just going, oh, fucking hell. And I just knew that was the bit where Trent sings really up close to the mic right inside your brain uh, during Ruiner. And um, there's no rule that at that point in the song uh, he should be singing really up close to the mic straight into your brain. Why is it there? Why is there all that hiss and white noise over her? What, what is that strange thing at the end of Mr. Self-Destruct? That like factory sound loop. I mean, that, that's true industrial music, isn't it? Um, I, I just love it from beginning to end. What a great album. So good. Right. So uh, the let's becoming. play the becoming. Uh huh. I love that, that noise, man. Oh yeah. It's that, I just, I, I can't tell you why. It's uh, yeah. It's just a horrible noise. It's oh, like, it is. Yeah, it's unsettling. I mean, this you, you would absolutely hear this in a horror film. Yeah. Uh, you know, as someone is getting stalked through a house in the dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, this sort of squealing, whatever that is. It, it, it's the sort of thing that I I didn't read anything about it, but it makes me think this is all just abattoir samples. Mm-hmm. It's just cows getting slaughtered. Uh, you know. This, this, sort of this vocal, not. when it comes in here, though, this... What I love most, though, this is... You can kind of predict how this is going to lie, right? This kind of uh, uh, softly swung vocal, but it's when it just gives way to this sing-song rhythmic... Like this here, man, this is the chorus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I fucking love that chorus. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Oh my god, I love this. And you know, so here we're, we're starting to deal with these themes of decay and metamorphosis. Mm-hmm. This is to be one of the best vocal performances on this whole record. There's something about okay. something about the way he phrases everything, the way he sings. It, I, I, I this is one of those songs that 
I probably didn't think too much about for quite a while, but now just when it comes on, it's one of my absolute highlights of the record. Right. Oh, nice. Okay. And we're going to drop down to the middle of this fucking acoustic guitar, which just sits on top of the loops. Well, we're going to go around this again. Yeah, yeah. Indeed. yeah, I mean, this is another quite long, this is five and a half minutes of a song, but it's got different parts in it all the way through, and that, different feelings. Look at that skittering, listen. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like, it, it, it sounds like skittering. It sounds like a beetle on fucking glass. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. And this is this is uh, you know heavy on the bass in this one, um, but there's so much sort of factory noise. I would call it the clanging mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, that it just overpowers. And again, it's, it's presumably he's trying to uh, create a, a soundscape where you're like, you know, whatever is in this guy's head is not right. But it builds and builds and builds until, you know, at this point that we're going into, or it, it's going to break at some point, but we're building up to that. Um, this is a machinery, this robotic uh, stuff going on, clang. But then, yeah, it comes in uh, with this, which is incongruous, to say the least. It's a little calm in the middle of the storm. The other bits are still there. They're just lo- much lower in the mix. Right. It's like it's like they've given the moment to breathe, and we're just sitting on this, and just we're just about to smash into this machine glitch in a second. Yeah, and fuck me, I love it, man. This outro is so good. I mean, uh, yeah, again, as it builds towards the end, it really fucking builds. Um, but like when it does crash back in after mm-hmm. this, because we've had this respite. This is mm-hmm. a little oasis of calm. Yeah. Um, but you look at it and you go, oh, there's still two minutes to go here. And yeah, it is coming back in with everything's gone wrong. Yeah, this is like literally fucking, you're, you're at the factory and the alarm's just gone yeah, off. Yeah. Something. Oh, yeah. Meltdown. Um, and uh, as, as it goes towards the end, the, the repeated line of, it won't give, give up, up. It, it wants to be, be dead. dead. God damn this noise inside my head. And that's, that's what we're listening to, exactly, yeah. It is really well done. It shows the stage we're at with the guy as well. Yeah, no, this is this is really good. I mean, again, this for me is it's, it works so well in terms of the album mm-hmm. and the journey that it's taking me. As a song, there's some really good bits. Beat <laughs> man, sorry, oh, it's, it's, it's <laughs> absolutely brutal. Um, but because I think because it's so disparate, yeah. I'm like, I don't know where this is. I don't know what to do with this song, which is presumably the point, yeah, for sure. And again, I think that's why. I think, I think because I've put this together in my head over a long period of time. Yeah, yeah. That's why I love this so much. It's, it's still because it's still got the ability to sound this. When I listen to this, even I've heard this album for thirty fucking years. Yeah. This still sounds fresh to me. Okay. Oh, this doesn't sound like a thirty-year-old track no. or a thirty-year-old album. No, it doesn't. In this, the way that. We, we always say on some of our ones, we go like, well, it, it was of its time. It was of its time. Of course. This this, this was ahead of its time. Oh, sure. Well, it, it just genuinely was as well. Yeah. It, it changed the kind of the, 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 the sk- you, scope for a lot of people. I mean, you can feel this. The, you can feel the impact of this record across multiple cultures. Mm-hmm. And there's not many records you can say that for. This is a fucking ge- like this is a genuine game changer around. This, this album changed cinema. Right. That's the end of that one. So we, we've kind of got the the more 
calming bit of the outro. Yep. It's taking us taking us down again from the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the the fury that we were at into track number eight. I do not want this. Well, you're getting it. And yeah, this is the one. This is Stephen Perkins from James Addiction recorded a little drum loop, and Trent's just sampled it and used that for the beat here. And it's kind of it's kind of Hitchcocky piano, haven't we? Uh huh. Uh-huh. Kind of yeah, noiry kind of tension, hot tension kind of yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. Yeah, we've got these kind of the, the clattering drums. This little fill, which obviously is a sample from Stephen Perkins. Uh huh. Um, and you know we've got this kind of distorted spoken vocal and we're going to go into a bit of classics 90s light and dark here aren't we okay uh, uh, yeah I think that's fair to say um, that I got from this lyrically that it's it's a no, it's another step into the madness and self-destruction yeah. um, but there's also maybe one of the last bits of humanity that's still in there uh, it's going I know that I'm becoming this horrible person I wish I wasn't I don't want this I, 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 don't, I, want I don't want this. exactly I wish I could make it stop but even if he's saying that he's not yeah. putting up much of a fight don't you tell me how I feel yeah that's something that is, yeah, that's, that's just like big 90s rock guitar. Yeah, 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 this could be ministry. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And uh, the lines that uh, I want to fuck everyone in the world, I want to do something that matters, yeah. they stood out to me. Because that, to me, is such a like a stereotype school shooter manifesto. Yeah, exactly that. You know? It's Yeah, it's, it's small town fucking cocaine megalomania. Do you know what I mean? Right. Or bullied and pushed fucking. Exactly. You fucking, you, you sheeple don't understand me. Yeah. It's that it's that mindset of uh, it, it's the this not like mar- narcissism. Uh, yeah, exa- large. well, it, exactly. I'm I'm better than all you. I'm cleverer than you, but you still call me a dickhead and bully me in school. Well, I'm going to show you. I'm going to do something that matters. That sort of thing. Yeah, I've kind of forming a picture of a drummer I used to know in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, it's probably worth bringing up as well because that. There was a big controversy around this album, really just in general, because yeah. it's very dark. And, mm-hmm. you know, the Republicans in that little, the ones who love to ban music, they really got up in arms about this. Um, and I would imagine that the people at Interscope did everything they could to make sure that oh. those people knew what all the lyrics were. Absolutely. They were doing a, a dance around their office every time mm-hmm. the press release was coming out. Um, but it... One of the things that they uh, they said about it was, well, it's encouraging people to violence and it's encouraging people to, you know, go out with a gun mm-hmm. and shit like that. And uh, one of the Columbine shooters referenced the album mm-hmm. in his in his journal, not like in his "I'm going to do a Nine Inch Nails," but he this album made a big impression on him. Yeah, and it's that sort of thing. It is. It's, if you think about it, the journey that it's taking you on and the story it's telling you, it's not it's not presenting it in a nice light. Nice, but it's not. It, it sounds fucking cool because it sounds like this. It's like, oh, this is misery. This is anger. I'm angry. It's not justifying it at all, obviously, but you can see why people are like, yeah, fuck it. I think this is a... But the problem is, this is very much a reaction to growing up in a society that discourages these kind of stories. Oh, sure. That's the interesting thing. It's that, right. that's, that's the thing. It's like... You know, you go, right, how do you end up in this mindset? How do you end up 
in the point of view where you tell these stories and it's being surrounded by this fucking false over positive smiley happy mm-hmm. culture that doesn't recognize what reality is right you know and this is an extreme story told around it and but you know what it's not that extreme a story because it's it's it happens every day in America. It's what happens every day. Yeah. And if you, you know, we, we, you know, this this tracks now with this massive outro. Yeah, it's going to give way to the huge pals, and it's quite interesting because this, you know, we're having that conversation, but we're about to go in a big man with a gun. Indeed, which is very much the antithesis of that conversation. Indeed, but it's also one of the ones that caused the most controversy because people took it at face value. Yeah, but, you, but the, and that's the problem with fucking people. <laughs> Taking it's like. You know, I, I, I mean, I, I, comedy. The you can fucking get crucified for for yeah. saying something where where the joke is the exact opposite of yes, exactly. the words. Yeah. But people are too fucking stupid to understand nuance and determined to go. Well, no, I, I'm right. Oh, just take. I mean, the, I I can't even. Man. No, I just no, no, can't even. Yeah. All but, right. Well, should we should we go into Big Man with the Gun then? Yeah, let's do let's it. Do man. That. So you, can, you can almost argue this is a kind of a companion piece to, um, oh fuck, what's it called? Uh, one of Arna, um, in Bloom. In Bloom, yeah, thank you. Like to shoot his gun. Yeah. Um, That's in Bloom, yeah. 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 But yeah. Indeed. Uh, and yeah, the, the, the lyrics of this, you know, uh, maybe I'll put a hole in your head, you know, just for the fuck of it. Yeah. Me and my fucking gun, nothing can stop me now. I take that at face value, yeah, you go, oh. That's not the sort of thing you should be saying out loud to yeah. impressionable teens who are going to listen to your music. But no, that's not the point. Yeah. He's talking from a damaged person who is at the lowest point and is being fed bullshit by the voice in his head. Yeah, and, and you know, you know, it's, it's a scathing critique of the fucking little dick fucking masculinity where people fucking think they are just fucking gods because they've bought a fucking bit of metal well yeah yeah indeed you know know, 30 years on on and you know how many fucking school shootings have they had this year but this week this week yeah exactly it's nuts yeah Um, and yeah this is uh, the shortest song on here it's just uh, like a minute and a half Um, it's in and out I I think for this is another one for me that it works as part of the album Mm -hmm. don't think much of it as a song I'll admit um, it sounds like ministry, but there's not really much else going on in this one. But I, yeah, I, the, that's the point. We are starting to get to the point of this record now, where if we are just looking at things in isolation, mm-hmm. there are some bits here where you're like, "Well, okay, in isolation." What's this about? Yeah. But this is not a record I. You know, I didn't put on a track of this record. I put on this record. I said, well, yeah, that's, that's. I'm sure that's what Trent Reznor wants. Yeah, yeah. And, and so yeah, you're 100 percent right. I think yeah, in, taken in isolation as a piece of music, am I putting it on a playlist? No, I'm not. Not really. Sure. Um, you know, it's although I do actually remember that track being played in fucking clubs. Oh really? Yeah. I, remember. I mean, I imagine it was because it's controversial. At two and minutes. Like, yeah. Oh, that too. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Definitely. Here is a clip of Stephen Hill from the True Cult Pop podcast telling you his thoughts on this album. And I'm telling you who this is because Stephen, like a dickhead, forgot to say. Hey, Dave and Krista. Thank you very much for inviting me on to talk about 
this record, which I'm very happy about. And also, congratulations on 100 episodes of your podcast. I am a genuine, legitimate fan. I listen to it all the time, apart from the two episodes that I've been on, because I don't really like listening to my own voice. So, you know, that's that's 98 episodes, which I very, very much enjoy. And um, thanks very much for uh, all the great content. And it is it's, it's just a great podcast. Um, what a fantastic way to celebrate 100 episodes by talking about a downward spiral on Night's Nails. Firstly, before I get into the album itself, I would just want to say I think Trent Reznor as an individual is one of the few musical auteurs who are still operating in music today. And I think the fact that years and years down the line after he was kind of painted as this just a weird goth bloke, it is brilliant that um, he's now a double Oscar winning artist and people go oh yeah Trent Reznor he is comparable with the likes of Prince or John Lennon or uh, Marvin Gaye or uh, whichever kind of unbelievably talented universally lauded critically acclaimed artist you care to to chuck into that you know David Bowie whoever it would be I think he genuinely genuinely does deserve to be in that company and I think obviously you know for me the five-year period between the downward spiral and the fragile is an incredible period and the period that I think he deserves to to be remembered for and I think that defines them Uh, personally my personal favorite is probably the fragile but I love I love the downward spiral I just think this is a record which uh, for industrial music it kind of popularizes but also destroys industrial music because it's so good that how can you follow it it became so massive and they became very much a definitive band of something which they completely transitioned away from in 1994 you had the first corn album you had the holy bible and the actually preachers you had albums by the rollins band and pj harvey and soundgarden that were incredibly incredibly dark and i feel like it's probably the first time where true genuine darkness was sort of accepted by um a more mainstream audience also the death of kurt cobain it means it's kind of like i think it was the right time and it's sort of the peak era for that early 90s um i know a lot of people just think it's oh you're being miserable or whatever but uh I think some really, really fantastically interesting music by some complicated people were being made at that point, and none more complicated or complex or uh, or talented than Trent Reznor. And this record is incredible. Uh, the fact that he can take such in- amazing genius pop choruses um, on songs like Heresy or Closer and just cover them in so much filth and dirt and nihilism and hatred and balance those two things so brilliantly i think is the core genius of this record it feels like he's deliberately trying to ruin his natural instincts of uh of writing incredible songs you listen to the drums on piggy where it just becomes freeform kind of aimless noise over what could ostensibly be described as a ballad in a lot of ways um you know, you can hear the influence of Killing Joke, Gary Newman and Black Celebration era Depeche Mode. But then also he kind of takes that ministry and KMFDM thing and just makes it harsher, bleaker, more depressing, more honest. And um, yeah, he's a genius. I think he sees music in in ways that very, very few other people see. So I absolutely love this record. I absolutely love Nine Inch Nails. I think Trent Reznor is incredible. And uh, I think this is a fantastic way to celebrate 100 episodes. Here's to another 100 more. Um, bit gutted there and no more. Chuck Deem Supplier's albums have got to number one. So, you know, you, you obviously don't need me for anything else. But, you know, um, happy to be a very small part of it. Cheers, lads. That's kind of the end of that movement of the record in terms of like the the last part of 
the protagonist being in control, really. Okay, yeah. And everything from now on is kind of as the other voice starts to take control and what the consequences of that are. Right, okay. Basically. Yeah, so, so the, I mean, the next track, I'll put it on just kind of behind us here. Uh, it's called A Warm Place. Yeah. And musically, we're in kind of epic territory, yeah. but it's broadly instrumental. Um, kind of meditation mm-hmm. on to, you know... On, well, it seems like there's a, a moment of peace and clarity. It, to me, it sounds like he's made the decision, or not made the decision, but the decision has been made for him mm-hmm. that he's going to go down this path. And this is then almost a release because there, there's a relief going, yeah. oh, well, it's out of my hands now. Exactly that. You and, know. you know, it's, you know, t- t- again, take it on its own. It's perhaps a little bit slight, yeah. utterly crucial to the journey of the record. Right, yeah. You, you, need, you need that juxtaposition of that heaviness from that into this as you start to kind of go this is kind of coming out of the chrysalis a little bit okay it, yeah know? yeah yeah now the, obviously the uh, Trent Reznor has spoken about the fact that this is quite close to a, a Bowie track oh, yes indeed which I'd never heard of before reading reading this but I've you know I listened to the other one it's yeah. called Crystal Japan mm-hmm. and yeah it's definitely similar I don't think it's as similar as some people would say but it's definitely similar yeah. this sounds like Generic, you know, Vangelisy soundtrack. No, this sounds like some of the soundtrack he would, stuff he would go on to do. Uh, it's nice. It's it's perfectly nice. Yeah, so it's a pretty interlude. Indeed, but it, it, exactly, it's not happy, but it works as a calming moment, mm-hmm. um, which which then you know you have to go, come out of for the final results of the journey. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think this is nice. I think it works pretty well. Uh, it's like I say, mostly instrumental. The, the lyrics on it aren't particularly anything. Doesn't matter what mm-hmm. it's about. It's just uh, it's 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 a break. It's a, a, a fresh glass of water before you have to get into the final fight, kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. So and that's a, it, it. Does this and it moves into Eraser, which right. is so. Let's get to Eraser. So this one's kind of the around the, the final stage of transformation. Yes, it is. Where we are with the we song. into the end end zone here. And we've got this kind of... And it starts off very slowly. Yeah. But there's a lot of, of build in this. It's not like for a minute and a half that where yeah. it properly comes in. Um, but yeah, you've got this kind of scratchy something. And it sounds like almost buzzing insects yeah. or a, a voice outside that you're not quite sure what you hear. Mm-hmm. So again, it's, it's just... It's putting you inside the narrator's head... And what's happening is, it's not nice. And then we've got these drums, uh-huh. which are like basically what Phil Collins would sound like if he just stayed up all night on cheap speed and ammo on a train. I'd like to hear that. I'd, I'd definitely go and see that concert. But yeah, the big echoey drums uh, right at the front. There's, I mean, there's essentially nothing else going on. Yeah. It, it, yeah, there obviously is, but all you're getting is it pounding, pounding, pounding. Um, but there is. There's a little bit of kind of a squirrely thing happening in the background. And it's it's building it's other stuff creeping in. Here we get some keyboards. Yeah, very much a thematic piece, this one. Obviously, uh-huh. you know, the point here is the ruiner takes over. Right. The right? ruiner takes over. And as we get into the back end of this, with this fucking kill me, kill me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's creepy, man. Indeed. But we're about to get one of my favourite bits on on the whole album in terms of just sounds. When this this I don't know if it's a guitar or a keyboard, whenever it is comes in around here, 
that. I love that. That is gorgeous. Wait, it sounds like a, like a fucking lap guitar or something. Yeah, I don't know what it is. But that is a wonderful bit of this song. And, you know, this this is, really is um, circling the drain, losing your shit. Um, and the stuff that's going on in his head, this is, I, I, can, I can really hear the the mess that he's in. And, yeah, this this, t- this really takes off for me when, it, when this is coming in. And every layer that gets added and increases the intensity. It's wonderfully done. Absolutely brilliant. I'm just sitting here vibing to it, man. I'm just sitting yeah. here listening to it. And whenever it does come in with the, the vocals, essentially it's the protagonist and it, the, the dark thoughts, the, the voice telling him, this is this is now I'm in charge. Guess what? Everything's shit. Everything's awful. And then right right at the end, like you say, the kill me, kill me, kill me, kill me, which is the first, first overt reference to a suicide mm-hmm. uh, uh, motif that we're getting to put him out of his misery there's so much of this that is it's just great but yeah it just gets more and more oppressive we've still got a minute and a half to go on it it sounds now like it's been played in a different room Uh do you know what I mean doesn't that sound now I'm I'm not hearing that I'm still hearing it as if it's in my head whole ambient sense of it feels different I see uh, yeah that is, is terrific song this one really good I love it man but then yeah this is it we, we get this different side of things and it's kind of it's almost um, these lyrics are a reiteration of every bit we've had so yeah. far and so there is the outward hatred at the Runers, there's the, uh, the, the the bit where I'm a disgusting pervert and no one uh, I'm undeserving of love and all that shit. Every bit is reiterated, reiterated until you get to this this bit at the very end. Yeah, this is just like you know the Ruiner is you know it's the rise of that fucking negative self-talk that critical voice mm-hmm. that won't allow you to just be you right yeah it's that pre-suicide voice mm-hmm. all right so yep that's eraser and that's track number 11 of 14 so that's the stage of the journey mm-hmm. we're at here so there's only like a couple more left to go yeah so the next track um yeah it goes into number 12 reptile right so let's get to that Uh, we've got another very long build-up on this. Uh, I might skip through some of it um, because it's kind of a lot of sample bits. Let's get into it a little bit. Uh, this is the longest song on here. Mm-hmm. And in some, in some ways, I'd say this is almost one of the most, uh, again, standard rock song formula that follows a formula in, in some this ways. This is possibly my favourite Nine Inch Nails song. Wow, shit. I fucking love this song. Did you love it at the time immediately? Like, 94? Um, or is it was it a grower? It grew. Yeah? Yeah. Right. Because it's on this back end of this record. Yeah. Oh, I see. Which is, yeah, you know, true. 
But yeah, I'm pretty, she spreads herself wide open to let the insects in. Horrible. It's an opening line. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. The, 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 I, I must admit, reading through the lyrics, I'm, I'm still a bit unclear as to exactly what the, what he's trying to say. But the way he's saying it and the music he's saying it on top of, I, I'm, like, I'm kind of there. Hear the way he fucking say, like, says reptile then. Uh-huh. A reptile! Just the way that fucking, almost the phrasing of that word is possibly why I love this song. Wow. It's just, just a fucking moment in a song that gets you. Yeah, sure. That's always nice. There's a real menace to this song as well. Because it's slow and it's, it's kind of plodding. It doesn't, it's not the, the 200 BPM that some of the other ones are. But it is, there's a foreboding in this. Like, nothing nice is happening in this song. And just fuck it up. It just builds and builds and builds. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's the control in that vocal as well. Right. It's... Now, yeah, this bit, I think... Uh, is this where there's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre sample in it as well? Quite somewhere, somewhere I, in this I, song, which that's peak Nine Inch Nails for me. I, oh, it's sampling the original Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, yeah of course it is. Of course it is. This is that, that, that dissonant. Mm, this otherworldly clanging. I can't even tell you what that is. Ah, who knows? Is it a sample, sample, a keyboard? I don't know. French horn. Horrible, man. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. The whole the soundscape of this is well, like we're at the end of the journey or approaching the, the end of the journey, and so this is just an absolute swamp. And it's like a tar. Dirty, dirty. Um, I, he, does, I, he does do that, doesn't he? That, that's almost a queen tone, isn't it? But just like, but instead of being instead of being bright, it's dirty. Uh, yeah, it's just always, filth. Yeah, uh, uh, this entire song is is filth and mud, and just fucking being covered in you know insects and worms and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. This is a big pair of bright eyes that you can just see through mud. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. It's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah it's screaming. It, yeah, it, it's pro- it's proper age of the apocalypse. Uh huh. Kind of moths and fucking beetles. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think this is a very good song. I really do. Yeah, uh, I'll put inflecting chorus just with these horrible lyrics. Uh huh. I mean, it just kind of goes on. Yeah. Like this, it's a seven-minute song. So, yeah. yeah, so I, I am realising that I'm, I am just, just listening to I, it. I am just listening to it, yeah. yeah. That's the problem. <laughs> I love this record so much. I'm sitting here and I'm going, oh, I, oh no, I haven't said anything for a minute now. Yeah. And, um, yeah. There you go. Oh, this is the Texas Chip yeah, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, right. Yeah, there you go. Um, and obviously this then gives way into the title track. The title the track, right. So the Downward Spiral, here we go. And if you talk about downbeat songs, mm-hmm. I mean, show me a more downbeat song than this. Yeah, well, I probably will in a minute. Well, well, okay. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're very close to the end of, of everything going on here. Track 13 of 14. 
and I, I never knew what the lyrics are. Today is the first day I've known what the lyrics are in this. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Because they sit weirdly in the mix, and I've known he's saying something, and I've never looked them up. Sure, no, it's, it's very uh, kind of underneath stuff, muffled. That yeah. thing is, it's essentially a suicide note. It's, you know, yes. he couldn't believe how easy it was. He put the gun to his face, bang. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's a description of a suicide. Uh, the problems do have solutions, you know. A lifetime of fucking things up fixed in one determined flash. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's horrible. Absolutely horrible. Um, and then you've got this guitar playing the, 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 the motif we heard yeah. before and closer. So it's a, a sort of a, a different take on that. Uh, but it's, it's a repetition of this is where we've been, this is where we're coming back to. Uh, and the voice in his head is telling him to kill himself. It's yeah. the only way out. That's your release. Yeah, you're t- are you you hurting? Are you? Is everything awful? Tell you what, this is what could, you could do. And and this track is genuinely painful to listen to. Once it starts, as it starts to oh, yeah. build and start, to start the, the other bits and pieces going through, the, the way the glitches and everything work on it. Mm-hmm. I was listening to this earlier on my on best headphones as loud as I could, yeah. and I was listening to it going, "This is sore." This I, okay, is, yeah, because yeah. it is. It's muffled. Uh, it's deliberately low and muffled, so you have to. Go, what, what's happening here? It's quietly spoken, uh, which feeds into the the voice in your head thing. It's just this little little thing at the back of your mind. It's not necessarily at the, the front, but uh, it, it's 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 powerful enough that it's it's still you still get the message. And yeah, this song is pretty nasty. And this is you know here we go the the, the end of the downward spiral. Yeah, realistically, I don't know if this song needs to be four minutes long. Because it's an idea. I know what you mean, but I think. But I, 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 I think if it wasn't, it would. I, mm, mm. It would kind of almost betray that everything is built to this moment. I see. Do you know I know, what I mean? Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, because he's not taking any shortcuts. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but it kind of does this for mm-hmm. another two minutes. But then that brings us. Weird voice. We'll listen to this quite quietly in our headphones in a minute. Yeah. I, yeah. Anyways, there's, that, there's that piano bit again. Da, 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 da. Uh, it's great. I would. Mm-hmm. I was. I kind of. All my one of my only criticisms of this album mm-hmm. is that I don't think that this bit is as well executed as it could have been. Yeah. Yeah. But. Just because I think some of the screaming there that's in there is a little bit on the nose. and Right. But, you know, that is a very, very mild piece of criticism. Sure. We also asked our friend Simon Sharp, who writes for Beat Rehab and who is on our Jesus Jones and our Beastie Boys episodes and is just a general music nerd to give us a clip. He did, but he also forgot to say who he was. Hello chaps, congratulations on your 100th episode. You wanted my thoughts on the downward spiral. Um, there are many reasons why I think this is one of the greatest albums of the 90s, but here are just two. So one is how textured it is. No one was playing sound the way Reznor is here. Um, whether it's the detailed layering of singing and spoken words on I Do Not Want This, um, the choice of where he puts vocals in the mix on things like uh, Mr. Self-Destruct and Ruiner, 
how he distorts everything to unrecognisable levels, or just even just having those melancholy instrumental cuts on a rock album. Now, that's not to say there aren't little ideas and techniques inspired from elsewhere, which I won't bore you with, but mainly Downward Spiral sounds utterly singular. Um, the second thing I love about it is the total lack of compromise. It sounds exactly as he intended and is unmistakably the work of one man. Yes, it's got guest musicians, but not nearly as many as you'd expect. But when you listen to it, you could never mistake it for something made by a group. Massive sounding rock records by a solo artist aren't all that rare now, but that just wasn't the case in 94. Um, this is about as far from art written by a committee as you can imagine. And that extends beyond just how it sounds. Stop for a minute to consider that he chose to release the Broken EP, an incredible piece of work, as a standalone record because sonically it felt separate from what he wanted to do with the Downward Spiral, some of which was recorded in the same period. Now, this is an album with no obvious singles, certainly none as obvious as the four main songs on Broken, which is just banger after banger. I know Closer has become this big goth industrial sing-along anthem, but listen to the thing for fuck's sake and tell me Interscope would have been rubbing their hands of glee when they heard it. Of course they wouldn't. They would have wanted him to put Wish on there. Comfortably, one of the best albums of the 90s and certainly one of my favourites. Is it perfect? Um, if pushed, I'd take Reptile out as I think the album starts to feel like it's repeating itself a little at that point before it finds its way again for the last two tracks. But beyond that, no. Solid 10 out of 10. Brings us to the very last song on the album which is uh, probably the second most... Well, is it, do you reckon it's the most well-known song off this album worldwide? I think it is now. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's of course, his, it uh, his tribute to Burt Reynolds, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, if only. If only, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, what can you... I wrote this, and I'm like, what can I say about this song that somebody else hasn't well, already indeed. said? Sure. And very little. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Trent Reznor is on... Uh, on record as saying um, this is it's not his song anymore no yeah yeah, yeah. you know the Johnny Cash version has overridden very interesting to listen to this on headphones because it does make you feel like one of his channels is cutting out no I, well I think it might be no no it's not this is how it sounds is it alright yeah well he, um, whenever you first listen to this album mm-hmm. or in your listens to this album back in 94 did this song stand out to you not at the time at all. No. I don't think I'd ever heard this before Johnny Cash. No, I had, because I knew this song yeah. well by then. But no, I, I, I knew this song and I loved this song. Yeah. I think the Johnny Cash version of it has made me love this version of it more. Fair enough. And I love the Johnny, I, I Ca- I love the Johnny Cash version. Yeah. I still prefer this version. Do, okay, sure. Um, because of the the two different people singing them, I think they have entirely different meanings with the same song. Yeah. You know, especially with the video for Johnny Cash, which is a fucking work of art, and was also a Mark Romanek video. Yeah. Um, it's brilliant. I watched that again today, and it's just heartbreaking. Oh, it's fucking... I mean, look, this song, though, let, let's not... The video is... You know, the, you know, the, the video... And that version... Um, 100%, I completely know what you said. Yeah. But this song, intrinsically, just the chord progression, the way it's put together... Yeah. Is just one of the most painfully melancholic songs ever written. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. Like it just makes me sad. Right. It makes me want. It, you know, we talk about Morrissey wallowing. This is a wallow song. Man. Sure. And this is a yeah. fucking. You know, for me, it's just this absolute distillation 
that everything's brief. Every, okay. Everything's uh-huh. going to go. Everything you love will be painfully temporary. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know? And if you can drag stuff out and make it last a little bit longer, fucking all well and good, but you're still fucked in the end, man. Mm-hmm. It's, it's got that... There's no to upside it. to this song. But there's a beauty to that. Oh, no. I, mate, oh, I love man. a misery song. Mm-hmm. And there is. There's, a, there's a, a beauty to it because there's almost, uh, as we mentioned right back at the start, there's almost a release in going, well, fuck it, I don't care. Yeah. All right, everything is awful. Uh, what can you do? And there's a, right, oh, well, if I can't do anything, then you just have to let it wash over you. And yeah, I mean, this is a six-minute song, but it's a lot of it is just kind of outro. Yeah. There's about two minutes of just kind of... Yeah, and, and you, know, let's, you know, let's, you know, let's remember that this is... Like a set, like like I say, like a six, 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 seven minute fucking song. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the redemption of an hour long concept album. Well, indeed, yeah. You know, I, I don't think this was probably written to be an anthem. Oh God, no. it, but it is one. Imagine, it imagine his surprise when listen to that, listen to that build. Uh huh, it's lovely. Yeah, it's a really slow, kind of eerie build up, and it's just self loathing through and through. Yeah, but I do think that there is a. There's a power, a power within that. And it it does work really well for the end of the album. This is the coda. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I, I get, mean, you couldn't I put that. this anywhere else in this oh, record. Oh, Christ, no. Not at all. You can't follow this. No, not at all. Okay, well, look. It is there you go. Nine Inch Nails. That's Nine Inch Nails, Nails, Nails with Spiral. Downward Spiral. Yes, um, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, wait, before we do, like, our summing up, shall we just have a wee look and see what... People on Twitter said? Yeah, let's have a let's look. Let's have a look. First one is from at Corky Feller, Mr. Corcoran. Mm-hmm. Uh, saw them in Dublin on this tour. End of the set. Reznor is flailing around, smashing up his keyboard. Thought it was the most amazing unplanned ever until I read he did it the same thing every night on every gig of the tour. Yeah. Amazing show, mind you. Uh, Dead Souls for the encore. I, mean, I think it's one of the things that uh, the, that tour did get them noticed was that they, they fully fucking destroyed yeah, everything yeah. i mean that fuck, was yeah. yeah that was kind I of mean, the if, thing that went on the live album that's kind of from around this yeah. era that's one of the best live albums ever recorded you didn't see them on the, this tour did you do you know i didn't see them until um god like fucking year zero or something i well, right, yeah. nine, nine inch nails were one of the for many many years they were the why haven't I seen they were that, uh-huh. on that hit list? Why haven't I seen them? Why haven't I seen them? I really, really, really wish I'd seen them around this era. It's a huge regret, but it comes into that fact that I'd have just gone on my own because um, my mates weren't they, that bothered. Right, yeah, yeah. The only time I've seen them was uh, they did a Reading set in a maybe 2011 or 12, that right. kind of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably second headline. They weren't headlining, I don't think. And it was fantastic. They They were doing a lot of new stuff mm-hmm. um, and the new stuff was that kind of more uh, glacial but el- electro beat uh, mm-hmm. music they were doing that wasn't as industrial as, as you know, the first few albums but it was fucking fantastic yeah. it was I absolutely mean, brilliant I'll, I'll, and, go, I'll go and see him anytime I can and I remember being amazed whenever Trent Reznor came out and I think maybe in like a vest top or something and that man is stacked He's been working out non-stop. Yeah, he's fucking like he's not the fucking skinny little it, no. goth kid that he used to be. Is exactly, he? man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thank you, Mr. Corcoran. We've also got Phil Guthrie, my old friend. Uh, said saw them on this tour at the London Astoria. Incredible gig. Not sure if Christian was there. 
I wasn't. Uh, but I think Dr. Archibald was, who's another friend of ours. Trent chucked the guitarist into the crowd mid-solo at this one, and Pig was a brilliant support act. God, I remember Pig. Right. Uh, he says he loves the 7-8 time signature on March of the Pigs, the drums on Erasure, and the blast of Heresy. Perfect. So, yeah, that, that's all good shit. Bradders. Yes, Bradders. Um, Bradders. Uh, just as a little callback to the Tory Amos and my story I emailed, I do now wonder if the fact that I introduced that girl to Downward Spiral when learning about Tory Amos is the reason we never spoke again. Well, it's it, yeah, indeed. It's it, possible. It, exactly. It, it, fair enough. It could have been worse. You could have been like, oh, yeah, have you ever heard of Cannibal Corpse? Mm. You know, you could, you could have gone a little bit worse, but... Definitely, this is not one for kind of an introduction or first date, really. No. I mean, uh, on, on the album itself, love it. Close is one of the sexiest songs ever written. Uh, Brad, let's have a look at yourself. Um, her <laughs> is now uh, iconic, thanks to Johnny Cash. Uh, the Becoming is one of the greatest Nine Inch Nails deep cuts. Completely uh-huh. agree with you there. And there are a few more zen moments in my life than listening to a warm place in bed on Sunday mornings. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Uh, also, Bradders, thank you for contacting us with that god-awful David Lee Roth video. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. I, I haven't had a chance to properly see it's it yet. I've, so I've seen bad. a bit of it, but I was so like, my, my daughter wanted to watch a dinosaur video. Oh, I see. Uh, John McCormack. Big up, John. Yes, our friend John. Uh, soundtrack to my move over the wall. John is from Scotland originally and uh, moved down to England then. He said he just turned 21, packed my bags for Brighton, long hair, stripy top, big boots, Walkman blaring, trouncing around the seafront, looking angry and feeling gallus. Wore out the tape. I played it so much to drown out the southern accents. Fair enough, yeah. mate. You can't fucking it, drown this one out, you cunt. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Luke uh, Groob's Fawn. I first heard this album around 2003, played it once, and then only listened to this for about five weeks straight. Right. Piggy, Reptile, Eraser, Marks of the Pig, so good. Hurt is perfect. Controversially prefer this to the cash version. Uh-huh. I'm with you there yeah. as well. Uh, I never need to hear Closer, but I still enjoy it. Seen Nine Inch Nails a few times. Still my favourite album. This album shaped my late teen years and got me through some stuff. Very nice. I mean, this is one of those things. It Because I am not much of a lyrics person in mm. general, I would imagine for people who are, this album presumably meant a lot more and people would get a lot more out of it than I would have done. And it would have been, the, especially if you're a teenager, an angry teenager, it's gonna touch points in it. I mean, dude, I was like, I mean, I would have been 19 when yep. this came out. And, you know, I, 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 the amount I relate is to this album. That's the thing. It scares yeah. me almost. I'm like, fuck, I was that angry. Yeah. I was that angry. I mean, I'm not calm now. <laughs> no, I don't uh, think you're ever going to be uh, accused of that. No, but, um, you know, but I remember feeling and just being like, yeah, this fucking speaks to me. And it, it does. It has that university, mm-hmm. universal nature that speaks to disaffected kids that feel all of this stuff and yeah. it distills it and it yeah. does it well and and I'm so glad that he's not still doing that because if sure, he was it moved would be on, yeah. fucking disingenuous he'd be, uh, he'd be Marilyn Manson or Corn. anyway yeah. um, I mean I, I do agree Luke uh, in some ways whenever he says that he never needs to hear closer again but still enjoys it I am kind of almost the other way now having now properly listened to it yeah I, I went on my journey for closer was I'm um, hearing it all the time in 1994, it's in the club that I am, mm-hmm. I'm playing and it's on MTV. I'm hearing it all the time and I have decided that I'm not going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Then, after you know, as years go on, I'm like, okay, it is a very good song. You can't deny it. It's a very, very good song. Mm-hmm. And then I'm here listening to it properly, like when I say mm-hmm. properly for the first time. And I think it's fucking stunning. Oh, it's fucking so stunning, So I, I, I'm, you know, more of a fan now. I, I want to hear it more. It's in some album, yeah. right? A Dance a Day, 
uh, said, oh Christ, I was feeling super depressed at uni in 1994 and decided I should buy myself a present to cheer myself up. I bought this. It did not work. Well, well s- shocker. <laughs> Sometimes cheering up is not what you need. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, anyway, but you're still with us, so well done. Uh, Scorn Hub uh, said, one of the few, maybe even the only albums I bought on day of release, what with being a poor student at the time, even my housemate, who was also a fan, remarked that I had a lot of faith in Mr. Reznor's artistic ability and integrity, and then we listened to it repeatedly. Uh, this was a big album for me in my journey from being a rock metal kid into appreciating, appreciating the possibilities of electronic music. So many of the bands that came in the wake of Pretty Hate Machine were just using drum machines and the odd bit of synth within a rock band context with very little going on in the way of exploration outside of the box, whereas this had such a variety of texture. Yeah, I completely uh, agree with yeah, that. that. That makes sense. Uh, and this is the thing. I wasn't, like I say, I wasn't an industrial fan, mm. but I now think that there is enough on this that is it's not just an industrial album. Oh, it's definitely it's, not. it's so many more things and so many different things that it's going to be a great way for anyone, if you're on the industrial end or if you're on the metal end, you're going to discover something else by listening. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. yeah, very much that. Yeah. Uh, Raw Power Roddy, Dave Roddy. Yes, uh, Dave. Uh, just say it's fucking great. Uh, bought it on tape with a cardboard sleeve. Yeah, I got oh, the CD yeah. with a cardboard sleeve. Yeah, it did. It was, the, the packaging was kind of... I mean, it was one of those ones where it's a bit annoying because it's wider than everything else on your shelf. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't quite fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul, PRS Books, says, The older I get, the more convinced I become that this is one of, if not the greatest album of all time. Incredible songwriting, th- thoroughly harrowing narrative, perfect production, all wrapped up in the most perfect cover. All told, so much blood for such a tiny little hole. Oh, fucking well. Yeah. I see what you've done yes, there, Paul. Yes, sweet. Okay, uh, BYCIW, Brian Yassil. Uh, my favourite album. Can't wait to hear your thoughts, as long as they're all positive. I mean, uh, I, I think th- we've done all right for I you. I think we've though. done all right. Yeah, they definitely weren't all positive, but I reckon I reckon overall you're, you've got to be happy, haven't you? I'm sure you're fine. Absolutely. And I think that's all the feedback Lovely. we've got from Twitter. So, look, let's let's do our little wrap-up here. Sure, okay. So, um, look, I mean, I think we're fairly clear where I am on this. Yes, indeed. Um, is it... I mean, I don't know when the last time you listened to this in full was, but did you go into this going, I hope this is as good as I remember, and it was, or where are you at? The interesting thing about this podcast is it always forces you to at least once sit down and really focus in on a record in Absolutely, a way that yeah. I don't generally for other stuff you know uh-huh. and so i've had this record on and i've enjoyed this record but i haven't sat and like kind of soaked in its themes and its lyrics and done all the stuff that we did right. and the worry is always that it's not going to hold up under scrutiny mm-hmm. and this to me does the opposite which is Great. it just you, it under under scrutiny you're like Fuck, there's so much to this. Well, this you were saying that there were bits even you hadn't noticed before. Yeah, I mean, on this tons, tons, tons. Yeah, that's that's lovely. That's mm. got to be fun. And so, how, how do you feel? Um, I'm very pleasantly. I'm happy with the outcome. Yeah. I was trepidatious going in because I, like I said at the very start, I thought, am I going to get 14 songs of mm. just that sound and then closer? Yeah. You know, as, as an outlier. But no, there was enough going on that I, it kept me interested. I didn't think all of the songs work as songs, but they're not supposed to. That's yeah. not the point. And I understand that. Um, I, uh, but definitely, I'm not an albums man in general. I, mm-hmm. I am more of a stick stuff on a playlist, play the hits. Yeah. So I can't see myself going back to this album realistically but i'm very glad that i have given it a proper listen yeah i mean and I, I understand i'm probably going to listen to this album again today i see i would right. imagine i love this album i think it's it resonated me with an, a different way when i was a kid you know I'd, some of it's more painful now okay because 
these things are extreme ideas when you're a kid. They're motifs and they're cartoons almost. Mm-hmm. You get a bit of water under the bridge and some of these things you've been too close to. I see, sure. Uh, and, yeah, yeah. and you're like, oh, right. And you kind of go, this is a fucking brutal record mm. it is. and it is a brutal oh, it's record. punishing um but yeah I, I i would say this has only made me like it more this, this is probably stuff. made me go this should be higher in the conversation when i'm talking about my favorite records i see great a, a masterpiece mate. great 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 nice one well look thank you everyone who got in touch uh and everyone who was kind of excited to, to that we were going to be doing this because yeah. i know it is a bit off piste but that's fine that's yeah. what happens it's episode 100 why not do something a bit uh, special for it? Yeah, I mean, and can I just say, Krista, yes. what a pleasure it has been to do a hundred of these. A hundred of these. Uh, very, as we said before, it very much wouldn't happen without your, all your hard work. Thank you. Um, and yeah. No, it's been, I, it's been great. I look forward to another hundred of them. Well, I mean, do you? Because I've, I've seen some of the stuff that's coming up even uh, just in the next few episodes. Yeah, there's a few that I can't be there for. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, but in terms of what we are doing, actually, we should say, because the next one, we're probably going to do a another bonus one because yeah. I think it was on the same day as Nine Inch Nails came out, mm-hmm. Soundgarden released Super Unknown. What's a fucking, Which is a ridiculous a time album. of life oh, that mate. was. We were just spoiled because that wasn't even a big fucking deal. Nah. On March the eighth, nineteen ninety four, you're like, oh great, there's two albums I really like. That go, doesn't happen. I'm going to pick both of those. Yeah. Up. Okay. Wicked. Yeah. I mean, um, this this is it, man. So we're, we're gonna yeah we're gonna continue our little uh, yes. Before we dip our tool back into the number ones, we'll we'll do uh, do some more number twos. Yes. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, we're just gonna kind of have a little bit of a, a little bit of fun and do a couple of records that we like. Yeah. Um, I want to say thank you so much to everyone that made uh, Morrissey. Uh, record our most downloaded in a single month yeah thank you that's that that's bizarre i, I think a lot Does of that it? goes to whatever mate if, if, you, if you don't follow us on social media we got a beautifully scathing review from oh, a mate, uh, from a morrissey fan on reddit and it was uh, it was wonderful because it was obviously a uh, bless him he'd put all of his invective and all of his venom into oh. telling us what i mean he used the word banal yeah um and i um, you know the, the soon as you've used the word banal you've you've you've, <laughs> you've lost really off, yeah uh and he put all his invective in it and unfortunately we just loved it we loved oh, we I, loved it that's my second favorite review i've ever received after it swear all the time i don't want my kid to hear this <laughs> Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, someone hasn't been listening to the warning at the start the of the warning. record. Yeah, man. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for being with us. Um, oh, yeah, uh, as should we say, we are hoping to, and we'll see if we can get a date uh, that it works for. We're hoping to maybe because we've done a hundred uh, episodes and do a, kind of a live stream, a Twitch live stream where we just get on Twitch and play a load of ninety music. It might take our tops off. You never know. Yeah. How lucky could you yeah, be, yeah. people? I mean, so I we'll think, see if we can make yeah, that Yeah, we'll, we'll see if we can have it. Keep an eye on um, social media. Yeah. Most importantly, I think we should thank you guys because we couldn't do this. Well, we could do it without you. Um, we just probably wouldn't bother. No, that's very uh, true. I say that. We'd just be in the pub doing it, wouldn't we? Well, indeed. Yeah, we might not record it. We start the conversations. Yeah. yeah. It's been a genuine... Genuine pleasure of all the bits and pieces we do. This is my this is my favourite good fun outlet. You are the best. We love you, and uh, we'll see you next time. Next time. With Soundgarden. Take it easy. Bye. Thank you for checking out this episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. It was produced and edited by us, for which we can only apologise. We are on Twitter at PCL Podcast, on Instagram also at PCL Podcast and facebook.com slash PCL podcast. 
All of these, plus links to our various Spotify playlists, etc., are on our website, which is pclpodcast.com. Please feel free to get in contact via any of the social media or on pclmusicpodcast at gmail.com. 